Welcome to On the Spot, where two student pastors talk about stuff that matters. I'm Dakota. And I'm Kyle. Kyle, we are back again. We are. We have had some of our best ratings thus far. By ratings, I mean people listening to our podcast. We don't actually get ratings like on broadcast networks or anything. That's probably good, because I don't know how... I would feel about myself if, if we got actual ratings. Well, they would be very low. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I I did find it interesting that for the episodes that tend to have the highest listens, those tend to be the ones that we actually interviewed somebody else. So it makes me wonder if people actually prefer to listen to somebody else other than us. Well, if I can make you feel a little bit better about that, um, our second highest, other than our, so the first episode is the one that has the most listens, naturally. Oh, of course. Uh, but then behind that one is the Bethel episodes, which, which we didn't interview anyone. That was just us. That was that was true. We We interviewed each other to see what each other thinks about Bethel. Correct. So... We have done a pretty good job, but I think that the previous episode that we've done, which was the one on abortion that we had uh, Chris and Kelly come in on, I believe that one will be our highest listen. Probably. That that was a, a very special conversation, Oh yeah, and I, I really think the Lord is going to use that conversation in, in a number of people's lives, whether people are considering abortion or... Uh, people are figuring out how to minister to other people who are in that industry or who have, um, you know, uh, who are recovering from uh, having an abortion. Uh, you know, it's just it's a it's a group of people that need the presence of the Lord. And they need to know that the Lord loves them uh, and that the Lord wants to do something special in their lives. Yeah. And I just want to, again, thank Chris for coming on and thank Kelly um, and thank Choices for uh, doing what they do and ministering to people in need as they do every single day. It was a joy to get an email from Chris not that long ago actually saying that a couple had come in multiple times and has chosen life So yes. uh, for their child, which is incredible and exciting. So I am very grateful that they were willing to come on and spend some time talking with us about something that really, really, really does matter a lot. So. Kyle, what's our question today? Question of the day, Dakota. Um, toilet paper. Oh, so we're back on poop. Yes. It's been a while. Yes, yes. Well, you know, as much as you clean, it can never go away completely. <laughs> um, so, toilet paper, over <laughs> or under? I'm still stuck on what you just said. Okay, so the question is toilet paper. You're talking about like the roll on yes, the... Yes, I'm not okay. talking about do you like... Go oh, over stop, to stop, wipe stop, or stop where you go. Stop it. This is just <laughs> too, I mean, too I mean, far. Too far, Kyle. Too far. <laughs> okay. Uh, just, you know, over or under, like, uh, do you put the toilet paper where it 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 goes over the roll when you are pulling on it, or do you have to pull under to get the toilet paper? Honestly, I don't care at all. Um, I know that this is a big thing for a lot of people and it matters a lot to a lot of people, but if it's, if it comes off the roll, bless you, you just sneezed. I was trying to do that. There was no chance. I heard it. I heard <laughs> it. Well, there's the real one. Oh my goodness. That's see, that's what happens when you try and like hold it in. I know it, 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 <laughs> it comes never, back it with never a stays away. So um, as like, far like as a bowel movement, 
Oh. <laughs> as far <laughs> as the toilet paper goes, I really don't care as long as it comes off the roll. I actually prefer it not being on like a thing on the wall. I would rather it just like sit on the back of the toilet. Oh, that's so gross. Why? How is that any grosser than it? That, because that <laughs> means you're touching the roll and someone else is going to come through and touch the roll in the same spot to pull toilet paper off and you're touching each other's poopy germs. Okay, so you're going to touch the toilet paper roll regardless. Yes, but I'm only going to touch the pieces of paper that I'm using. Oh, no chance. No chance. Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and the correct answer is over, in case you're wondering. <laughs> um, because under means that you touch more of the roll. Uh, how so? Because it is so hard to reach back behind the toilet paper to get the, the piece of paper. It just It's just not the way that God designed <laughs> wiping to be well he probably designed it to be used like using leaves or something yes yes and and the lord blessed john crapper or whomever invented toilet paper with uh with with the ingenuity to understand that leaves were not good enough or our our left hand or whatever is What I if? want to go ahead and apologize for Kyle today. No, no, um, no, 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 no. He's, no. he's getting real gross on us. <laughs> I am not getting gross. I am getting frank. There is a difference. There, There is a difference. But the correct answer is over. In fact, if you go to the original um, documents that, that were produced when someone was designing this whole the concept. Patents. The patents and all that stuff. I've actually stuff, seen those. How do we know those are real and someone didn't just make that? Because Evie, Evie could make that on her computer in like probably, three minutes. But I'm choosing to believe <laughs> what the internet tells me, which is always the wisest thing to do. The internet would never lie to me. There is no such thing as conspiracy theories on the uh, internet. Everything that pops up is true. That's hilarious. Okay. <laughs> Correct right. answer is over. So Kyle believes that it is over. I really don't care. So. And that bothers me. That really bothers me that you don't care. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm pretty laid back, you know. I just go with the flow. Well, you know, hopefully you can take some emodium for that. Oh my. <laughs> All right. So today, um, our our main topic of discussion is gonna be uh the calling that uh, to ministry that Kyle and I have both experienced from the Lord. Uh, we are going to explore this uh, for the purpose of, one, we want you guys to know us a little bit better and know kind of where we came from and things like that. But two, also, we want to be able to share our experiences, which I'm sure are different, so that if someone out there is listening and they are considering a call to ministry, they can hear firsthand what it looked like in two different uh, people's lives so that they may be able to gain some insights, gain some understandings or some advice even on yeah, that. Yeah, th- and I think there are some people out there who are struggling with a call, trying to discern a call to the ministry. What what does it feel like to hear from the Lord on this particular subject? And they're trying to figure out if the Lord has called them. And we would just love to help people, uh, you know, discern better what the Lord is saying in their lives. And there are going to be a number of people who aren't called to the ministry. And hopefully Mm -hmm. this helps uh, people begin to empathize and sympathize a little bit better with their pastors to understand this isn't just a job. 
that they decided that they were going to mm-hmm. pursue, but there's actually a calling from the Lord that 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 He placed on our lives to um, to set us in a position of authority in a church to help uh, equip the saints for ministry. Mm-hmm. And that calling carries weight in that we are held to a higher standard in that, and we have to come to grips with that. So, in in knowing that there is some. There is some heeding that you have to take before answering that call. You have to consider the cost, and you and I both have done that. And I hope that that's helpful in that even in knowing those things, we still felt and knew, okay, God wants us to do this, and we're going to do it, regardless of the cost and knowing that, hey, at times that means that we are going to be judged more strictly, and that's okay. That's okay. Uh, that just means that we got to pursue the Lord that much more and be that much closer to the Lord. Uh, and that's not a legalistic thing. That's just a reminder of how important it is to be close with the Lord. So I am excited to have this conversation today. Yep, absolutely. So Dakota, we're going to start with you. And the way this is going to work is I, I've got a few questions that I've prepared for Dakota to kind of help us uh, walk through his call. And then Dakota's going to interview me. Uh, and then, you know, we'll end with our typical recommendation. So Dakota, um, I'm just curious, how long have you been in ministry? So I'm going to answer this in two different ways. Uh, one, I've been in some form of ministry for about 10 years. Uh, when I was 19 years old, I, I mean, even when I was 18, I actually interned with my youth pastor. So I could, I could squeeze out an extra year if I wanted to with that, but I'm not going to. Uh, because when I was 19, I went and I was technically the interim youth minister for a church for about eight months. That's really scary. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because uh, I had literally no idea what I was doing. <laughs> um, it went well, but I had no clue what I was doing. And I had a lot of oversight, thankfully. But uh, so I've been in ministry for about 10 years with that. But in full time ministry as like a youth pastor, uh, about five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and that started uh, when I left Spotswood when I was an intern here. I left Spotswood to go to Kentucky, and I became the student pastor there for high school and middle school. Um, so I've been in ministry for about 10 years in some capacity, though. Gotcha, gotcha. So this can be involved as you want to tell it, but how? what was your process of discovering that you were called to the ministry? Because I think sometimes— uh, people get it in their heads that you know this is one a call to the ministry is one of those things where all of a sudden you had a light bulb moment and the Lord whispered into your ear, "You're going to be a pastor." And you know sometimes we treat it like that. You know when we have church services for people who grew up in a traditional Southern Baptist church, you know it was like when you went to a camp retreat, it was always a uh, is God calling you to be saved? Is God calling you to be baptized? Is God calling you into the ministry? <laughs> you know, it seemed like that was the trifecta of, you know, of, of things that the that the Lord was would call people to do. Mm-hmm. And if somehow you didn't feel called to all three of those at some point in time in your life, you were somehow mm-hmm. um, less than, yeah. you know. But I, I don't think it always works like that where someone is sitting in the middle of a session at a 
student ministry camp, and all of a sudden they feel called to the ministry. So uh, describe to me your process of how you discovered what your call to the ministry was. Well, it certainly did not look like that. And a little bit of this is, I love telling this story because I get to brag on my youth pastor, which influenced a lot of why I'm in student ministry and not um, not maybe being a different kind of pastor, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Uh, so <clears throat> I didn't go to church growing up, and I ended up in church later. I went on my own when I was almost 17, and I got saved shortly thereafter. So that kind of sets the groundwork for the understanding that I had about Christianity, about church, about things like that. Well, in my senior year, I had um, two periods that were open in the morning because I just didn't have any classes I had to take. Which, that's so weird for me. I didn't go to a school like that. Like, we were required to take classes for every single period. Well, a big reason for that was because I didn't take any, like, honors courses or AP classes or anything like that or college courses, so I just had free time. Yeah, there you Um, go. Well, I took that opportunity to do an internship with my student pastor, whose name is Ryan. Ryan, if you're listening, I know that I sent you the podcast, so, hey. So why aren't you listening? (laughs) So... He, I did an intern with him, where, internship with him, where I went for the first half of my school day. I was at the church doing things with him, such like making copies and stuff like that. Uh, and we did some funny videos that we showed for the student ministry and things of that nature. But he let me teach one one time. He let me take the whole semester to like prepare a lesson, and he let me teach on a Wednesday night, and it was terrible. There's no question in my mind. He might tell you that it went okay. Others might tell you it was fine, but I can't imagine that it was actually good being my first time ever doing that. Almost like you were preaching the equivalent of the toilet paper being under. Oh, my. Uh, so, <laughs> so onwards through that internship Towards the end of it, I remember, so there's an Ingalls right near the church, and Ingalls is a grocery store, if you don't know what that is. There was an Ingalls right next to the the church, and we had went there f- to pick up some stuff, and we he engaged me in this conversation about my experience with my internship and things like that. Well, when we got back to the church, we unloaded everything, got everything done, and then he was like, let's go to my office, and I want to talk to you for a few minutes. He sat, sat me down, and he looked at me, and he said, I want to ask you one question. I was like, okay. He said, are you called to ministry? And I was like, I have no idea what that means. And he said, do you feel like the Lord wants you to do something like what I do? And at that moment, everything made sense. So you had a light bulb moment. Well, I say the moment where it made sense, yes. But the leading up to no, because I was pursuing other things. Right. I was pursuing being a chef. I was applying for scholarships. I was going through all of these things. I was working in a restaurant. Like you, you never know. One of these days, the Lord may call you to do cooking ministry, and <laughs> you could be like uh, Pastor Chef Dakota. Yeah, maybe we'll see. And like you, 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 you film an episode of Making a Dish, and you relate it to a particular passage of the Bible. <laughs> oh, and you, I mean, I'm just saying, you know. And you can have your own catchphrase like "bam." Stop it. You know. Well, the school. It's funny, when, funny you, you say, say that. Bam, actually. the person falls back, and they were slayed in the spirit. Whoa, <laughs> whoa! Sorry, that's, I, that was 
We're, we're Baptist. That doesn't, so, um, that doesn't work. It's here. funny you say that because the school that I was actually applying to is the same school that Emerald went to. So, oh, really? Yeah. Um, and the bottom line was, is I was pursuing all of these other things, but I was losing so much interest in all of that. I was just losing interest, but I knew what I loved, and that was being at the church. That was doing the things. Whatever it was, if I because I did everything. I was on the praise band for a little while. I um, I played the bass and I I served with Ryan in the student ministry. And then once I was in college, I was serving backwards. And I anything that the church was doing, I was like, hey, I want to be a part of that. I changed the letters on the sign when they didn't have a digital sign. It's I mean, an important job. Yeah, whatever I could so did do. Did you put the cheesy church sign stuff up? No, they didn't do that. Okay. Uh, but whatever I could do, I w- wanted to be a part of because I really just loved being there and loved doing stuff. And and I knew that it mattered because it was for the kingdom. So when Ryan asked me, it just made sense. It made sense why over that last six months to a year that – I was losing interest in what I thought I loved the most. And so when he said that, I realized that's what I love and that's what the Lord wants for me. And I had no idea what that looked like, though. I didn't know what school I was going to go to. I didn't know what form of ministry I was going to be in. I had no idea. But I had a youth pastor that walked me through that, which was incredible. So, yeah. Good deal, man. So um, I'm just curious, how receptive were you to this call? So you had this moment where it just seemed to to make sense. And sometimes when people um, people hear this call from the Lord, it's, it's a little bit like Moses. God comes to Moses and says, I want you to go lead my people out of Egypt and confront Egypt. And he just makes excuses left and right for why he can't do that or why he's not gifted enough to do that. And then some people are like, absolutely, let's do this. This is what I've been looking for my entire life. So what what was your reception experience when it came to your call? So it's a little bit of both. And I was super receptive. What, when I realized that with Ryan and he asked me that question, I said, yes. <laughs> And he was like, really? And I said, yes, I have no idea what that means, but yes. And then a lot of the other things started to creep in, like all the questions about what is that going to look like? What am I going to do? What am I going to tell my family? Right. Um, Which I I know we're going to get into some questions like that uh, soon, but um, those were some of the things that really, really creeped in after. But in the moment that God made it clear I was extremely receptive and excited about it. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about some of those things and those fears that that crept in a bit. So um, we call those moments of, of doubt. And there mm-hmm. are various times in our life where someone, some thought or some person or something will come into our minds that will cause us to doubt whether or not we are called. What were some of those things for you? All right. So this gets really personal for me. Again, I didn't grow up in church, and my family was really proud that I was pursuing cooking mm-hmm. um, because I wasn't, I didn't want to be a chef in a restaurant necessarily. Right. I wanted to be a chef on TV. Yeah. Uh, that was my pursuit because there was a time in my life when I really wanted to be an actor mm-hmm. as well or or like a voice actor in some some regard in that way. You saw the movie Heavyweights, which was filmed in your hometown. You were just like, that's (laughs) what I want to do. Definitely not that. Um, But 
I, I, so I, I'd seen a way that I loved cooking and I really enjoyed acting in, in, and so I was like, Hey, I could put those two things together and, and have like a bomb career. Right. Right. And be on TV and make a ton of money. So that was one of the things that my family was really proud because even, even as I did go to college for, for ministry, um, I'm the only person that's ever went to college mm-hmm. in my family, like on both sides ever. Mm. Um, so it was kind of like there was all this stuff built up, like Dakota's going to be really successful. Dakota's going to do all these things. And then I realized I am not going to do any of those things. I'm going to do something totally different. And I had had some some strife uh, with my family because I was I would quit jobs. Um, if it interfered with church, mm. uh, I, I, I would tell my parents that I didn't want to go and do something, uh, that our family was doing. For instance, we went to the lake a lot, mm-hmm. uh, cause our pa- family has a houseboat. I've talked about that before. Well, I would, I would not go for the whole weekend. I would want, I would leave, I would come back home on Saturday night so that I could go to church on Sunday. And they just didn't understand that. And they had a hard time with that. And so it was so difficult. And I was so afraid to tell them. So I didn't tell them for a while. And then my dad one day was like, you know, you don't seem to like cooking anymore. What's going on? Hmm. You don't seem to be pursuing any schools that have anything to do with cooking anymore. What's going on? Because my junior year, I had applied for a scholarship uh, that would have been a full ride that would have meant that I would have finished my high school career at the school for my senior year instead of waiting. Uh, and I made it to like the top five or seven or something like that. And then I messed up and I didn't get it. You, you overcooked the broccoli. No, it was something to do with my formatting on my recipe was totally off. So I didn't, I got disqualified essentially. That's a, um, but maybe but, not. I mean, because you're where you are now, right? Exactly, and that was actually one of the things God that, ordained to screw up. <laughs> yeah, legitimately, that was one of the things where I was like, "Wow." I mean, if I had gotten that, I wouldn't have potentially understood anything about being called in the ministry. So I was really grateful for that. In hindsight, I was crushed by it in the sure. moment, but I was. That's how heavily I was pursuing cooking, and then it kind of just died off when I really got more and more involved in church. And so my dad asked me like, what's going on? And, and that was the moment where I had to tell him like, I think that I'm going to go to school to be a pastor. How'd he take it? Bad. <laughs> His first response was you won't make any money. And like pastors don't make money. And that, that's a, that was a huge fear of mine because I had grown up knowing like my dad, we were pretty poor. Mm-hmm. When we were young, my dad built his business from the ground up and he made something out of it and he did really, really well for himself. Uh, and he wanted me to do better because there was a time that he wanted me to take over that business. Uh, but then he realized that's not what he wanted for me. He wanted better for me. He wanted me to go to school and wanted me to do something better uh, because it's hard work what he does. Yeah. And he wanted me to do something that wasn't so hard. And which I appreciate and I really value that in my dad. And but telling him this was almost like you've got everything going for you. Right. And you're just going to throw it all away. It was like the athlete 
who blows out their ACL their senior year and loses everything. Mm. That is what I could equate probably my dad feeling sure. in the moment of me saying, I'm not going to do this, but I'm going to pursue yeah, your life instead. was built on this other thing and you just basically threw that away. Yeah. And then there was also the element of I was giving up on this thing that I was working really hard for. Yeah. I had to give that up and st essentially start over my senior year, uh, pick a different school, pick a different career path, pick all of these things within about a two month period. <laughs> so, so. You had a season where you basically began to count the cost mm -hmm. of what it meant to follow the Lord. And I, I think that's valuable because a lot of people, um, there are people out there that want to go into the ministry for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I, I, when I look at people who are in that, that middle of that kind of decision where they're looking at it for the wrong reasons, they... They don't always count the cost. They just see all the great things about it, and, and they don't realize just exactly what you are going to be giving up and, and saying no to mm -hmm. in order to say yes to Jesus. So um, my question for you would be, how or why would you give up something that was going so well for you in order to do this? It just... It was just worth it. it because becoming a Christian was very fresh for me. Sure. Uh, I had only been a Christian for about a year. And so I could almost tangibly feel and like look right back and hold that moment, if that makes sense. And when I thought back to that about Jesus radically changing who I was and saying, I love you, despite you, <laughs> and I've made a way to save you and give you hope and give you life and give you eternal significance and value and eternal life. Yeah. When I realized that, it changed everything. And I could look back so closely to that, and I understood that that was because my youth pastor was faithful to sharing the gospel with me to letting me be a part of his life, to bringing me in and showing me what it looked like to follow Jesus. I even look at my father-in-law now, who I knew then, seeing his faith in leading his family, that shaped a lot of why I continued on the path of saying yes to ministry because I saw what it looked like for him because he was a, a very um, involved lay leader in their church. Um, but it was seeing the significance of Jesus in my life and seeing the significance of a pastor in my life that said, you know what, if I can make a difference in, so if God wants me to make that difference in someone else's life, it's a hundred percent worth it. Mm. It is 100% worth it. So what were some of the other doubts that you struggled with when it came to your call? Obviously there was, you know, stuff that crept in with your family and different things like that. But what were some of the things that caused you that, that you struggled with caused you to doubt your call to the ministry in college? Uh, I really struggled a lot with wondering if I was going to be capable because uh, I'm, I wasn't a, I don't like school. I wasn't a bad student. I was a very average student. I'm a very average person. And 
I struggled a lot with some of my classes. My ministry classes I did really well in, actually. <laughs> but things that I didn't feel like were directly tied to ministry, math, science, stuff like that, I struggled really, really bad in. And I saw other people. I compared myself a lot to other people and my friends that were also in ministry pursuing the same thing, and they were just seemingly so much better than me. Mm. And I just looked at that, and I was like, I just don't know that I'm capable. I don't know if I can do it. Um, so that was a huge thing that I had to, to work through, and I still have to work through that at times. At times, I still wonder, like, am I capable of doing this? Uh, and the answer is no. The answer is absolutely no. Thankfully, we've got the power of the Holy Spirit that makes us capable yeah. and does so much for us. But I struggle with that at times. Um, also, I, ooh, the last church that I was at really, really made me question a lot. Uh, I'm not going to say the name of the church just because I don't. I don't have any ill will on them. I don't want to any. I don't want people to think anything bad about them. But it was a really difficult year. Um, because I saw a lot of hypocrisy. I saw a lot of people, a lot of division, a lot of people that just didn't genuinely care about others and wanted to hurt them. Mm. Um, and I felt that I was lied to a lot, mm. and it put my family in a bad position. And at that moment, I was like, Phew. that was one of the first times that I wondered if it was worth it. Yeah. Um, because it was hard. It was really, really hard. But in the eight and a half months we were there, five kids came to know Jesus. Mm. Um, and looking back, worth every second. Would you say that's what kept you going and what, what kept you from quitting or mm -hmm. choosing to do a different path? Absolutely. Seeing the fruit of ministry and that bringing me back to the moment when I was in high school and I experienced that love and that uh, that life change from Jesus, experiencing, seeing that being experienced through students just because of the Lord being obedient through my willingness to be there. It made it, it made it worth it, um, even though it was extremely difficult. And, and, and I know I say this, and there are stories in the Bible of people who had things way, way worse and were far, far more faithful. But it's just a moment. That was one of the hardest moments sure. where I did wonder, there might be something better out there for me. <laughs> um, because I, I have had other options for jobs, sure. you know, and I've chosen not to take those in order to continue pursuing ministry. So what were your biggest obstacles to pursuing a call to the ministry? Um, that kind of goes back to some of the fears that I had. Um, some of the biggest obstacles were um, getting started in school was really difficult, and my mother-in-law is the reason that I got started on time um, because she sat me down in their kitchen and pulled out a computer and said, okay, we're going to enroll you in community college wow. like right now three weeks before the semester starts. She was like, we're going to enroll you and you're going to start in three weeks. And I was like, what? And she said, that's what we're doing. So buckle up. <laughs> and now were you dating Haley at the time? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so my mother-in-law, I actually called her even she, though she was making an investment in her 
daughter's future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, me and, like I said before, me and Haley broke up. And years later, after I graduated college in 2014, I actually sent a message to Laura saying, thank you. The reason that I'm graduating this year on time is because you sat me down and made me do this. So that was a huge obstacle because I was like going to put it off and wait like a whole, I was going to do a gap year basically, which would have completely ruined everything for yeah, me. Yeah. Uh, and she had the the knowledge and foresight of doing that. Also paying for school. Um, I'm still paying for school. I, again, I had no idea how to get scholarships, what that looked like. Cause nobody in my family had ever done that. The only reason that I was pursuing scholarships with, um, with Johnson Wales university, which is the culinary school that I was going to go to is because it was very obvious and clear what you do. Yeah. Um, I didn't know how to find scholarships and I didn't know. I took the SAT once did okay. I, I did well enough to get into schools, but, but there's not, not a cooking section on the SAT. Right. And I didn't do well enough to break into the scholarship category. Yeah. I was like 40 points shy, mm. something like that. So paying for school was a huge challenge and a, a huge element of faith. And I do um, thank my parents a lot because they did help a lot in that. But I did have to take out some loans, um, not an unreasonable amount, but I had to take some out and I'm we're still working on those. And one of the other things was uh, a big, big obstacle in pursuing ministry for me was figuring out a way to pursue ministry without harming my relationship with my family. Mm. Uh, because I, as a very young Christian when I was in high school and freshman year in college, really, really hurt my family a lot mm. in, in the way that I was living because I was looking at them pointing a finger saying, you're doing all these things wrong. You say you're Christian, but this is how you're living. Um, you're not going to church. You're not doing these things. You don't read your Bibles and all this stuff. I was very, very mean. Mm. And so I had to change that and I had to rectify that. And I asked for forgiveness from my family. And since then I have worked to try to pursue a life in ministry, which looks radically different than everything else that I've ever grown up with or what they experience and do. I've had to live in a way that doesn't make them feel like I'm looking down on them or that I feel like I'm better than them because I don't think those things at all. And that's been a big challenge. And that ha that was absolutely an obstacle because it almost was one of those times where I had to count the cost. Is it worth potentially not being as close to my family as I might want to be? Is it worth continuing to pursue ministry if they say they don't want me to be a part of the family anymore. Mm. Now that didn't happen. Thank the Lord. But I had to consider that at one time. Yeah. So this, it reminds me of that passage in scripture when, uh, Jesus's mother and brothers and sister were, were trying to find him because they felt like he was the way that he was pursuing God's call on his life, so to speak was completely different from the vision that they had for his life. Mm -hmm. And so they were trying to come and get him when he was in the middle of uh, preaching and teaching in front of the people, and uh, someone comes to him and says, uh, your your mother and, and sister and brothers are, uh, they're here to see you. And he says, you know, who are my, who are, who are my mother and sister and brothers? It's those who do the will of God. Mm -hmm. It's almost as if he was saying, 
a, a very real and frank understanding. I, I have more in common with those people who are pursuing the Lord and pursuing ministry than I do with my family right now. And that doesn't mean that I don't love them. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that I'm not committed to them. But I have to recognize that this is more important for my life uh, right now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what advice would you give to students who are trying to figure out if they are called to the ministry? Oh, man, very easy. Uh, get involved in ministry. <laughs> Do it. Serve in any way you can, uh, because what happens is when you jump into serving opportunities and you jump into uh, a multitude of those, I would say try a lot of different things. Serve in the student ministry, serve in uh, the, on the welcome team of the church, serve in the children's ministry so that you can find out kind of where has God gifted you to be. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, I got really blessed in that the first place that I tried out really is exactly where the Lord wanted me. Um, and, and it was funny because post answering my call saying yes, I was going to pursue several other things. Uh, I was trying to potentially be a lead pastor, which I don't think that I'm cut out for. <laughs> I was thinking about maybe I'll just be a traveling evangelist, which I don't think at all I'm cut out to be. So, but a lot of those reasons was because those were the ones that made the most money. So right, yeah. I was looking at it wrongly rather than looking at it. How has God gifted me? I was trying to go, how do I make a way, you know, to provide and things like that. So I would say just get involved in a lot of different things so that you can determine where you're gifted. And once you do that, uh, dig into that. Yeah. Yeah. So what advice would you give to students who are looking for opportunities to discover their giftedness or pursue training? So they feel like the there might be a call on their life for ministry and they're just trying to figure out what that is and they're just looking for opportunities. What kind of wisdom would you give them? Well, the most beneficial thing for me was doing internships. Um, once I felt in understood that the Lord was calling me to ministry, I jumped into an internship uh, as quick as I could because that put me in a practical ministry position. And I have known people who have done an internship and it has told them, you know what, this is not what I'm Absolutely, supposed to do. Yeah. And that is just as valuable mm -hmm. as it telling you, yes, this is what I'm yes. supposed to do. Because I can just tell you, if you pursue ministry and you are not definitely called to it, it will not be something you enjoy. Yeah, I've often heard people say, um, you know, if you can ever see yourself doing something else, mm -hmm. do it, because right. uh, ministry is not easy. No. Sometimes from the outside, people see, you know, what they feel like is glitz and glamour, but ministry is difficult. People have opinions people, on how churches should be run. And, and people what are messy. Be. People are people are messy. It's not as simple as pulling out a, a sermon on Sunday morning and teaching it and, and the ministry grows. You know, right. people struggle with very real issues. People sometimes don't take your advice. Mm -hmm. um, people sometimes leave the church. People sometimes leave the church because of you. Mm -hmm. Sometimes relationships are fractured. Now I don't say all that to say that ministry is always terrible. Right. Some of my greatest joys in life have been because of what the Lord has done in my life and through my life in ministry, yeah. but it is not always easy. For every situation where Paul was uh, 
writing letters to the church in Thessalonica telling them how awesome he felt like it was that the Lord was doing amazing things in their lives. He was writing multiple letters to Corinth telling them, okay, you're... It, it, it's frustrating me that you're rebelling against <laughs> yeah. my authority. It's frustrating right. to me that you're not listening to me and you guys are doing all these different things wrong. It's not always easy. And that's what ministry, that's what ministry is and why it's so important to count the cost and why it's valuable um, to do an internship. Cause an internship can tell you whether or not you're cut out for something, whether or not, whether or not you're gifted, whether or not this is what the Lord wants you to do. It can also tell you the kind of church that he wants you to be at. It can yeah. tell you the kind of ministry that he wants you to be involved in. All those it's just it's just so helpful um, in that regard. Well, and that leads us to being able to answer a question that one of our students submitted. She has an opportunity to be a part of a church uh, and do an internship, but she's she knows that that church has had for lack of a better way to say it, uh, a little bit of a reputation of maybe believing differently in some regards uh, than our typical Southern Baptist church, which... Um, At a minimum, their methods are really different. Correct. Their methods are definitely different. I, The specific church that she's talking about, we're not going to mention that, but I would say theologically and doctrinally line up mm-hmm. and believe the same things. Uh, they just have a different methodology, which I don't think is always bad. So with that, I think that if you are pursuing a, an internship and you're like, well, it's a different church than my home church, how do I know if this is okay? Well, simply look at what they believe. What yeah. doctrine do they believe? There are certain non-negotiables. Correct. And if their doctrines line up biblically with what you know to be true of the Bible and what the Bible says, and it is not in uh, opposition to Scripture, and you are comfortable going there and doing those things. And I think that it's going to be a good experience for you. Uh, and if I would say this also, if a church is so hung up on methodology, then that might not in the future, because her fear is that if she goes here, that in the future, if she's trying to get a job at a a Southern Baptist church, they might look down at her because she went to this church as an intern. But I would say if they're that hung up on methodology, that's probably not a church you want to go to anyways. Yeah, uh, and I would say that if you feel like the Lord is leading you to this, Mm -hmm. then one thing that is important to do is trust that the Lord is going to lead you to other opportunities that are not going to conflict with this. And quite frankly... um, it, you know, if you felt like the internship did not go well and that church gives you an opportunity to speak into it, they'll glean just as much from you saying, yeah. you know, I did this internship to figure out what the Lord was calling me to. And I realized after this internship that it's not it's not this. Right. I learned a lot about myself doing this. Um, but, you know, the flip side of it is, that this this internship could potentially open doors in an area that you had not previously mm-hmm. uh, considered. It's all a matter of just asking yourself the question, what do I feel like the Lord is calling me to, and do I feel like this internship could, A, at least help me figure that out, or B, help me pursue that calling in some way, shape, or form? Yeah, and you also just got to ask yourself, are there going to be people that can pour into my life and help me in that process of pursuing what the Lord wants for me? 
Because if it's going to be something where you go to this place and you don't have anybody pouring into you and teaching you and helping you and mentoring you and growing you through that, then it's probably not going to be super beneficial anyways. And because that's what was most beneficial about my internships is every internship that I've had, I have had people, you being one of them, that have poured into me and helped me learn and grow in the direction that God is calling me in. Yeah. So you got to be able to seek that out. And I applaud uh, the student for asking this question because they're seeking the counsel right. of, of their pastors on on a subject that they're trying to work through and discern. So, yeah. Well, good deal, man. I think that's all the questions I have for you. Are there any parting words that you would love to give about your story and that you would love for uh, students to or, or anyone else who might be discerning to call to the ministry to understand? Um, just to be open to trying it out, you know, because that's that's something a lot of people will, as soon as they consider or think that the Lord's calling them to this, they just aren't willing to entertain it a lot of times. So mm. be willing to be open to whatever the Lord is calling you to do, because that because being called to ministry doesn't necessarily just mean a pastor. No, it could mean being a connect group leader. It could mean being a missionary. It could mean a, it could mean a number of things and you won't be able to discern what that thing is that you're being called to unless you're willing to say yes to the calling in in the first place. Yes. So and start small. Yep. Absolutely. You know, start Absolutely. with ministry opportunities, you know, that was anyway, that that's getting into my my story, but you know. Yeah. So let's jump into you. Uh, I got some of the similar questions. Um, so when, Kyle, were you first called to full-time ministry? That's a hard question <laughs> um, because I, I don't know that I have a very specific light bulb moment. I have what became a, a growing burden that I think started before I was technically a Christian, um, I did not become a Christian until I was in high school. Now, that being said, I grew up in the church, and um, when I was a, a first grader, I, I gave a very typical religious response to the gospel. I understood it mentally. You know, I, I understood the importance of Jesus dying on the cross for your sins and stuff, but I'm not convinced that it made any kind of salvific impact on my life. Mm. And so when I was in, in high school, I began to discern a greater impact of the of a relationship with the Lord. You know, for me, before that, it was just cognitive belief, like I believed the right things. But after I became a Christian, or I, I began to realize this is all about having a personal relationship with, with God. And it meant more to me then. So I can't tell you for certain that the one in first grade was not real and, and that the one in high school was real. Uh, I can tell you that I went ahead and became a Christian, quote, again, and, and I got baptized in college as an intern again because I just wanted to put the decision behind me. I, I decided it was more important for me to know that I had made a commitment to Jesus than for me to understand when right. I made a commitment to Jesus. So uh, all that all that to say, uh, I first started, I don't know, wrestling with the call. I first started being interested in a potential call to the ministry 
I think around the time I was in middle school, you know, we went to a, I was living in Oklahoma at the time and we went to a camp called Falls Creek and they had a, a small section, uh, like when everyone else was doing regular breakouts, they had a, a small like breakout for students who felt like they might be called to the ministry. And I had some kind of interest in that. So I went to it. I can't tell you a lick of anything we talked about or anything like that, but I had some kind of inkling of, of an interest. And, and then I just kind of put it out of my mind. Uh, and then I started getting into high school. Um, I moved to Alabama. Um, I had a very difficult time in my life where I wrestled with whether or not I wanted to do this whole Christian thing, whether or not I wanted to, um, be involved in the church at all, because I had experienced a lot of hurt in the church. And I began to question whether or not I wanted to be the part of the church. I began to question whether or not I was actually a Christian. Uh, I found that um, at a time when I was trying to discover what it meant to be a Christian, I found myself hating the church because of the way that people were acting and so uh, for a period of time, I only went to church on Sunday with my family. I didn't participate in any youth group activities. I didn't want to have anything to do with that at all. And um, God kind of got a hold of my heart and opened my heart a little bit to what was happening in you know the student ministry world. He began to heal my heart somewhat. And I began to discover what it meant to have a personal relationship with the Lord and I began to develop a love for ministry. I began to develop a love for student ministry. I began to develop a love for the church. And so um, I always, you know, after that point, I grew up in a student ministry that um, that always made use of college interns, um, especially during the summer, sometimes during the year. And I, I found a lot of value from being able to align with them. In fact, it was uh, one intern named Chris in particular who helped me understand that it wasn't a matter of knowing when I had my salvation moment, but it was a matter of whether or not I had had my salvation moment. And so, uh, you know, if it, whether or not I... I wanted to be a Christian? Did I want to follow Jesus? And th that mattered considerably more than trying to figure out when I had. And so he was influential in in that regard in my life. And, and I had a student pastor named Scott who was really helpful uh, in helping me understand what it meant to have a personal relationship with Jesus, not just a cognitive belief in, you know, what the Bible said, uh, where it actually made an impact in my life. So after, uh, around my senior year in high school, I began to feel like the Lord might be calling me to the ministry. But my mode of operation was, I'm not sure that this is true, <laughs> so I'm going to put as many safety nets in place as possible. I went to the University of Alabama. Um, I got a a pretty sizable scholarship in the music uh, department uh, to, to be able to uh, study music performance. And my goal was to do that and as a major and study something else 
as a major so that I would have a foundation of uh, of things to fall back on. <laughs> if ministry doesn't work if out. If ministry doesn't work out. Right. And so I started out, you know, exploring, uh, you know, I knew I, I was smart enough to know music performance wasn't going to pay the bills. <laughs> it was just going to pay for a portion of my school. Sure. Uh, so I, um, I, study it was always going to be music performance and something that would pay the bills it started out as computer science computer engineering explored that field uh my first semester in college i took some classes that had to do uh with that and you know it probably should have tipped me off that i wanted to take a break from that after one semester mm -hmm. and so i decided to take a break and just concentrate on some other things um <laughs> and then come you know i would come back to it my 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 sophomore year in the fall. Um, you know, at one point in time, I thought maybe I should pursue a telecommunications and film degree. Uh, at one point in time, I thought maybe I should study a communications degree. Uh, I even decided to take a couple of business classes to see if that would fit because I always wanted to find that one thing to fall back on just in case this ministry thing didn't work out. I wasn't necessarily seriously pursuing the ministry thing. Mm -hmm. It was just one of those, if the Lord puts it in my path, I'll go that route, but I will have my fallbacks just in case. And so there came one particular moment after I had spent a summer, uh, at the summer after my freshman year, after I spent time being basically an unpaid, uh, an unpaid intern at our church, I just showed up and said, Hey, can I hang out and, and, mm -hmm. and, and, and be a part of student ministry? I don't necessarily, you don't have to pay my way to go on trips. You don't have to pay, you don't have to pay me anything. I just want to help in any way that I can. Um, and so my fall of my, and this is a long story and to get to the culmination is right here. Um, <laughs> The fall of my sophomore year, I decided to take the next level of my computer programming, my computer sciences class, and I was I was really struggling for a lot of reasons. Number one, these classes aren't really designed for you to take a break. It's like you know taking a, taking Spanish one hundred and one, and then waiting a year, and, and then waiting a, a year to take Spanish one hundred and two. You you forget a lot in between. Yeah, and I just found that I hated it. <laughs> and I felt um I felt like the life was taken out of me. I had no passion for this. And I can remember sitting at my computer in my apartment at the time, uh just working on a, a computer program and just kind of sitting there staring at it, not really knowing what I needed to do to figure it out, and listening to people hang out outside listening to people talking outside and having fun outside. And it wasn't that I wished I was playing instead of working. Mm -hmm. It's that I lamented the fact that I was sitting there by myself in front of a computer screen when I began to really feel deep down inside that God made me to be with people. Mm. And so at that moment... I called my mom up. This was early on in the semester. I called my mom up on the phone to talk with her about it. And this whole time, I had been internally struggling with whether or not I was called to the ministry. 
But I had never mentioned this to anyone. This was just internal plans that I had. I never voiced Mm -hmm. to anyone, you know, I feel like the Lord might be calling the ministry, but I want to put these safety nets in place. (laughs) I had never, I had never really said that. And so um, I called my mom and my mom said, well, Kyle, I, I haven't told this to you because I really wanted you to discover it on your own. But I feel like the Lord might be calling you into the ministry. And, and the only way I could think to respond, respond was, yeah, I know. <laughs> Something along those lines. And, and my mom didn't want to be the person to tell me that, but she really wasn't. I mean, my mom had given me inklings of something like that in the past. She had said, I'm just waiting for you to figure, figure some things out, wait for you to figure out what the Lord's doing in your life, different things like that. And so it, it was huge for me that I wasn't the only one who saw it. Right. And it was valuable for me to come to the next conclusion that when my mom said that, that it was okay to not put a safety net in place. Mm. My fear was a failure. I had this fear that if it didn't work out, I wasn't going to be able to take care of myself. I wasn't going to be able to take care of a family, that I was going to put myself in a terrible position if I did not... Um, if, if this whole minute, if I ended up being terrible at this ministry thing and it didn't work out and I began to realize that when God calls us to do things, number one, he promises to give us everything that he has called, uh, everything that we need to do what he's called us to do. Right. And number two, he doesn't want us putting our hands to the plow and looking back. He doesn't want us pursuing the call while also pursuing something else just in case it doesn't work out. And so in that moment, I decided I was going to give up on the aspect of my academic pursuits that were going to supply my safety net. Now, I'd like to say that I didn't struggle with that temptation from that point forward. Right. It was after that that I took a telecommunications and film class. It was after that that I took an economics class. Um, but basically from that point forward, I decided I, I was going to pursue my music degree, and then I was going to go to seminary after that to, to prepare for... Uh, to prepare for ministry. And I'm not going to say the call was easy. I'm not going to say that I didn't have moments of doubt, but that was really where if I had a light bulb moment, that Mm -hmm. would be when I had a light bulb moment, but it was less a light bulb moment of God cluing me in. And it was more of a light bulb moment of me finally recognizing and responding. Yeah. Um, Previous to that, a lot of my academic reasons why I wanted two majors what had had less to do when looking back on it it really had less to do with me wanting to provide for myself um, that was just what I told myself really what it boiled down to was I had I had some people that didn't believe I could do it mm. and I wanted to prove them wrong yeah 
there's lots, lots of unholy, un, unchristlike reasons why I was doing what I was doing. And I finally decided that faith, you know, Psalm 56, I was reading this last night. Psalm 56 says, you know, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. Mm-hmm. So well, I know you, that's a long <laughs> answer to your question. Well, but. you answered like four of my questions. Oh, did I? Uh, <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. You kind of answered what were, what were some of the things that you were afraid of? You've kind of answered some of the things. Did you ever not want to do it? Because <laughs> um, clearly there were times where you uh, didn't. Um, there were also times where you were afraid of things. And some of those things are similar things that I was afraid of. Um, but you were counting the cost of, of what it was. But here's a question that I do want to ask you. Mm-hmm. Um, in that in that calling, there's always a point, and I'd mentioned this earlier, where you have to discern, is this a calling to be a pastor? Is this a calling to be a lay leader? Is this a calling to be a missionary? So how did you know that you were called to be a pastor right. and not just maybe a lay leader? Like my father-in-law, he's very, very involved in uh, as a lay leader. And in my opinion, he, he would make a, gr- a great pastor, <laughs> but he's not called to do that. So how did you determine and how did you know that you were supposed to be a pastor and not something else? Um, from the very beginning, I don't know that I ever really considered in the beginning whether it was to be a, a lay person involved in ministry versus being a youth pastor. Mm-hmm. There was just always something within me that it was to be a pastor. Uh, second, it, I think it was the nature of my initial call. A large portion of my call to the ministry is tied to my call to be a Christian. You know, I had mentioned previously that I was um, bullied in the church mm-hmm. uh, and how I almost walked away from the church. And this came at a time when I was really trying to figure out what it meant to have a relationship with the Lord. And so part of my calling to the ministry is tied to those two pillars. Um, I was a student at the time. And because I was a student when I had these struggles, I became incredibly passionate about wanting to make sure students understood what it meant to have a personal relationship with God. And I became incredibly passionate about wanting to make sure that every student who walked through those doors felt like they were in a place that they could belong. Mm-hmm. And so those became two pillars of, of my call to the ministry, and it always felt to me like that that made the most sense from being in charge as a student pastor. I had doubts along the way. Uh, your, your doubt was you looked at everyone else and, and you felt like you weren't good enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is going to sound so prideful, but I looked at everyone else that was in youth ministry and I felt like I didn't fit the bill in a different way. I was always academic. I was always smart. I was always intellectual. And in my experience, the best youth pastors, the best pastors weren't that kind of person. And and the and the things that they had going for them, I did not have going for them. I have never been the cool kid. I've never been the intern or in my opinion the pastor that people looked at and said he fits the stereotypical bill of what a good student pastor looks like. Mm-hmm. I was always self-conscious in that regard, not because I wasn't smart enough, but because I felt like I wasn't sociable enough, I wasn't charismatic enough, I wasn't that I that that my that student ministry or pastorship wasn't the place to um 
to express myself academically. Uh, I learned I was wrong. I learned that the church can benefit greatly from people who understand things that not everyone else understands. Um, but th- those were moments of doubts for me. There were times when I was in college that I was dating Becca and I kept, I kept telling her, I just, you know, she, she knew that I was planning to go to ministry and I kept saying, I'm just not certain. I'm just not certain. Cause I was kind of like David, David got told when he was a teenager, he was going to be a King. And then it was years later that he became King. Mm-hmm. I, I got told when I was in college, I was going to be a pastor. And then it was years later that I became a pastor. And there were moments along the way that I was like, did I really hear God correctly? Mm-hmm. And Becca would just reassure me in her ear or in my ear. She would say, you know, it's fine if you decide that you don't want to be a pastor, but I really think that you should work with middle schoolers and students because you seem really gifted in that, that you should that you should at least pursue being a teacher. If you're going to change anything, I think this is something that you really should pursue. In a weird way, that reassured me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I had an internal sense. That's all I can say. And and that was just, that's the Holy Spirit. I had an internal Mm -hmm. sense that this is what the Lord wanted for me. So there are other things, other times that I doubted, but, you know, that kind of, Gives a quick snapshot. Yeah, that makes sense. So um, for the most part, it sounds like um, your family and friends and people in your life were pretty supportive. Uh, Incredibly so. Um, You know, one story that my wife likes to tell is uh, we started dating her freshman year in college. I was a junior. At this point in time, I had solidified that I was going to go to seminary to be a student pastor. And um, we were dating. We were sitting on the... Uh, the swings at the Catholic Student Center, which was right next door to the Baptist Student Center. Mm. Um, and we were just talking, and, you know, she was asking me what I was wanting to do with my life. And I said, well, I'm studying music. And she, in her, in her mind, she said, well, that's kind of weird. Um, well, he's not going to make any money. And I said, but, <laughs> but I'm going to go to, <laughs> I'm going to go to seminary after college. And she kind of stopped, and she said, for what? And I said, you know, I, I feel like the Lord wants me to be a student pastor. She didn't tell me this until about three years later after we got engaged. But the summer before her freshman year in college, she was driving in her car somewhere, and the Lord just put a thought in her mind that said, you're going to marry a student pastor. And she was like, whoa, that, that was weird. And she put it out of her mind. And honestly, really forgot about it um, until that moment on the swing set nice. when, when, when I told her that. She was like, whoa. She never said anything because she didn't want to influence. She didn't want to freak you out and be like, oh, you're going to be my husband. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. But she didn't, want to, uh, she didn't want to influence my call to the ministry. She didn't want me to go yeah. into ministry because I wanted to marry Becca. She wanted me to go into the ministry because I really felt like the Lord wanted me to go into ministry. And she was willing to put our relationship on the line uh, because she wanted what was best in the Lord for me and for her, knowing she was going to marry a student pastor one day and knowing that if I decided not to go into that, that maybe the Lord might lead her elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, So little things like that helped confirm my call along the way that I was doing what the Lord called me to do. 
Cool. So um, last question, real quick, because we're we're running out of time. But um, real quick, what uh, if student person in general, not it doesn't have to just be a student, but if somebody was to come up to you and and tell you like, hey, I'm wondering if God is calling me to the ministry. What what is your response to them, Kyle? My first response would be um, to ask them, well, tell me about it. Why, why do you feel like this is something the Lord might be leading you to do? Anytime someone shares something with me, I want to understand the situation a little better. What is leading you to potentially come to this conclusion? Um, the second thing that I want to do is, is just kind of ask more and more questions of, you know, what do you know about what you feel like the Lord is calling you to? Some people feel immediately like, I feel like the Lord wants me to be a student pastor. Mm-hmm. and But some people are like, I feel like the Lord might be calling me to the ministry, but I just don't know, and I don't know in what in what capacity or in what season or in what way that's going to look like, and I don't know when, and I don't know how to pursue that. Um, what I will encourage them to do is figure out, uh, to help them figure things out, is... Um, are you, by asking them, are you currently involved in serving at your church in any way, shape, or form? Because I believe that the Lord will give us a certain level of, quote, talents, not talent, but talents and gifts and um, and resources that he wants us to use at a specific time uh, for his kingdom and his glory. And once we prove faithful with that, he begins to give us more and more and more. So the first thing that I would encourage them to do is get involved in ministry in some way, shape, or form. If you feel like you might be called into student ministry, my question is going to be, how are you currently serving in your church's student ministry? If it's not as a small group leader, is it as a chaperone on a trip? Is it as a uh, a mentor for a student is it are are you serving uh you know off uh you know volunteering hours in the student ministry office to help them do things are you running mm-hmm. errands for them like like if you feel like this is something the lord might be calling you to do getting involved in a volunteer capacity at, at any level will help you a discover if this is something that you're passionate about and b um, help you build the skills that you need in order to serve in this capacity. Right. We need to have the humility to understand, um, t- to follow the Lord at a small level before he's going to give us a big level. The interns that I interview when we go to Liberty and we do intern interviews, the ones that concern me the most are the ones who are studying student ministry, but they're not involved in serving in any capacity. Right. That really scares me because it's almost as if they are just waiting for the shot that they feel like that that is good enough for them uh, instead of taking advantage of the small opportunities that the Lord might be granting them. And this is where I, I made a mistake my first year in seminary. My first year in seminary, I attended an extension campus in Birmingham, Um. I was going to New Orleans Seminary, and they had an extension campus in in Birmingham, and I was going there, number one, because I could live at home and do it, mm-hmm. uh, and number two, because my wife was still at the University of Alabama, uh, and, and it had not been that long since Katrina had happened, and so living in New Orleans at the time was just not an easy prospect. 
and so I, when you're at an extension campus, most of the people that you're in a class with are already pastors somewhere. There's reasons yeah. why they can't go down to the seminary. I began to get incredibly self-conscious about the fact that I was in classes with a bunch of people who were already doing what I felt like I was called to do. Mm -hmm. And so I went looking for an opportunity. And instead of getting involved in the student ministry at my church in a volunteer capacity and looking for ways to serve them, I began to it began to stick in my craw a little bit that I wasn't getting paid to be a, quote, student pastor. Mm. So I found a youth ministry pastor position, a part-time youth ministry position at a small uh, attendance of one to 200 church that, um, you know, out in like 45 minutes outside of Tuscaloosa to be their student pastor. And I lasted seven months. Mm. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to do good student ministry in a, in a in a small church, and I utterly failed. And one of the reasons why was because I felt like I deserved something greater than I was ready for. Yeah. And so uh, from that point forward, I humbled myself not to be a student pastor, but I humbled myself to be volunteers in the student ministry world and just take advantage of the opportunities that the Lord provided me. So that would be what I would encourage people to do is get involved in volunteering in your church and 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 be honest with your leaders and say I feel like this is the, what the Lord might be calling me to do and if they are good leaders they will give you potential opportunities right. to to figure that out, whether it's a teaching opportunity or an opportunity to be a small group leader or opportunity to help plan an event, uh, similar to what your youth pastor did for you. Mm -hmm. So those are our stories. A um, lot of stuff there, a lot of stuff involved with that. Um, so I hope that that is helpful. Uh, but Kyle, you have the recommendation this week, and it's one that I really like, so we need to make it quick, but what is it? I do have a recommendation. I recommend the Disney Plus Marvel Cinematic Universe show WandaVision. It's very good. It is very good. Now, um, I actually love and appreciate the first few episodes. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't watched it, you just need to understand that the first few episodes if you're used to watching Marvel movies, are going to feel completely different. They feel like sitcoms. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, one episode feels like a 50 sitcom and another one ep episode feels like a 70 sitcom. And you find yourself watching these going, what in the world is going on? Yeah. Like, this is not Marvel. I don't understand anything. And you might be tempted to quit. But I can tell you, if that if that's not entertaining for you, if you can at least make it through episode four, mm -hmm. it will all make sense. And I promise you, this is one of the best things uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It is incredible uh, how well it is put together, how well it is written, the acting, the story. It's fantastic. So... Um, Give it a shot. Now, if you if you haven't watched any of the Marvel movies at yeah, all, watch them first. Th this may not be the best place to start. It there's, won't make any sense. E even when you get to episode four, there's going to be a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense. Right. You really need to uh you, you really need to watch some of the previous movies. At least at least Infinity War and Endgame. 
before you watch this. Yeah, I would even say go as far back as Age of Ultron. Um, yeah, yeah, you know what? That's a good point, Age yeah. of Ultron. Um, that's probably where you need to start if you're interested in watching WandaVision. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I mean, WandaVision is definitely not a beginner's level MCU right. show, <laughs> but it is one of the best things they've made. Right, yeah, it's very, very good, so we both highly recommend it. So, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate you spending some time with us on this podcast, but we do want to know what your thoughts are for what maybe we should continue talking about in the future, what you think matters. So you can connect with us on social media uh, just by going to on the spot, uh, dot podcast. That's on Instagram or Facebook, or you can send us an email at on the spot at spotswood.org. Uh, something that's really helpful for us is if you rate the podcast, if you listen on Apple podcast or somewhere else that you can rate. If you rate it or write us a review, that is extremely helpful. It's very encouraging for us, but it's really helpful in getting the podcast to other people. And if you think that what we talk about matters like we do, uh, we'd love your help in getting that out there. So uh, thank you again for listening. We really appreciate it. And we will be back in a couple of weeks to talk about more stuff that matters. 